0: Welcome to this podcast of the Sunday Message from Hope Gateway in Portland, Maine. We'd love to have you join us for worship Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., currently on Zoom and broadcast live on Facebook. Visit our website at hopegateway.com to learn more. Whether you live near or far, we hope you find this message to be meaningful. Wherever you are, join us in doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with God.
1: Good morning, Hope Gateway. Good morning. I'm Wanda Stahl, my pronouns are she, her, and hers. And I'm very grateful to be having the opportunity to share a message with you this morning. Um, this, week, uh, this week, we are concluding our series on composting Christianity. And I've really marveled at how well this series has flowed, given that each of us that's been preaching has chosen our own topic and date. And I found that Melissa's exploration of perfection in Groves last week really provided a good segue for this morning's sharing. Now, the topic that I chose from the little graphic that some of you may have seen in the Hope Gateway newsletter is Original Sin versus Imago Dei, or Image of God. Now, those of us raised in churches may have heard of, or perhaps even been explicitly taught, this concept of Original Sin. And even if that term wasn't specifically used, the concept likely was either explicitly or implicitly communicated. Original sin asserts that humans are inherently inclined toward evil, that our default nature is one of sinfulness. Now, some variation of this doctrine of original sin shows up in many Christian traditions, including Methodism. But one of the most stark descriptions that I found is in the Lutheran Book of Concord, which states, Original sin is the entire absence of all good and gives us a deep, wicked, horrible, fathomless, inscrutable, and unspeakable corruption of the entire nature and all its power. Wow. (laughs) Now, just to be clear, I have always been very uncomfortable with this idea of original sin. So I'll confess I have spent very little effort digging into its origins since seminary many moons ago. But I knew in preparing for this sermon that I needed to give you more than just, I don't like this doctrine, so we should just compost it. Now, (laughs) while that would have made for a short sermon that maybe you would have appreciated, um, I instead decided to explore some of what others have said about this doctrine, its origins and its impact. So I consulted some teachers that I respect, some voices new to me who take issue with this concept of original sin. First, let's look at one of the compelling scriptures that I believe undermines the idea of original sin. We're gonna go back to the very first creation story narrated in Genesis 1, picking it up near the end. God has already created day and night, water and land, sun and moon, plants, fish and birds. Listen to these words from Genesis 1, verses 24 to 31, describing day six from the message paraphrase. God spoke. Earth, generate life, every sort and kind, cattle and reptiles and wild animals, all kinds. And there it was, wild animals of every kind. Cattle of all kinds, every sort of reptile and bug, God saw that it was good. God spoke, Let us make human beings in our image, make them reflecting our nature, so they can be responsible for the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself, and every animal that moves on the face of the earth. God created human beings. He created them godlike, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female and God blessed them, prosper, reproduce, fill earth, take charge, be responsible for the fish in the sea and the birds in the air, for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. Then God said, I've given you every sort of seed-bearing plant on earth and every kind of fruit-bearing tree, given them to you for food, to all animals and all birds, everything that moves and breathes, I give whatever grows out of the ground for food. And there it was. God looked over everything he had made, and it was good. So good, so very good. It was evening, it was morning, day six. So that story grounds both the Jewish and Christian communities um, belief that God created human beings, described here as godlike, as reflecting God's nature, and blessed them. God looked over all of this and declared that it was so good, so very good. So how did we get from here to original sin? Good question. So original sin was not part of the Jewish tradition in which Jesus was reared and was not part of Jesus' teaching. It wasn't mentioned in the early creeds of the church, such as the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed, and it's still not part of the belief systems of churches in the eastern streams of Christianity, like the Greek Orthodox. Original sin surfaces in earnest about 400 years into the life of Christianity and is rooted in the later writings of St. Augustine. Now, Augustine based this doctrine in a few isolated scripture passages, but most definitively in the story of Adam and Eve in Genesis 3 the story which describes eating fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, Augustine believed that prior to Adam eating the fruit, that Adam had the freedom to either sin or not sin. But by falling to the temptation of eating the forbidden fruit, he caused all future generations to no longer have the freedom not to sin. In other words, Adam's nature permanently shifted towards evil And this was inherited by all future generations. Now, those of you familiar with this story may recall that after Adam's disobedience, God does say that Adam will now need to toil for his food and will be subject to the frailty of death. And there are many other passages throughout Scripture that also describe the negative consequences of sin. We all all know, too, from our own personal shortcomings and the pain and suffering that we see around the globe, that sin is serious business, and there are consequences when we stray from our call to love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. It is, however, I think, a bit of a stretch to go from saying that sin has consequences to saying we're hardwired toward evil rather than good. But this is the perspective that Augustine took. So why did this idea of original sin, which had little precedent in the first 400 years of Christianity, gained so much traction. So there's a couple of theories. A number of sources identified the connection between Augustine's assertion and Christianity's relatively recent acceptance as Rome as the Roman Empire's official religion in 312. John Philip Newell in Sacred Earth, Sacred Soul asserted that original sin was religion of empire formalizing a teaching that was convenient for imperial power enabling empire to relativize people's worth rather than reverence their dignity. Matthew Fox describes it as a veritable weapon in the hands of those bent on controlling others. It plays kindly into the hands of empire builders, slave masters, and patriarchal society in general. It divides and thereby conquers, pitting one's thoughts against one's feelings, one's body against one's spirit, one's political vocation against one's personal needs, people against the earth, animals, and nature in general. The Church of Empire thus used this doctrine, deeming people as inherently evil, as a means of rationalizing its desire to control its constituents under the guise of preventing the worst of people's behavior from coming to fruition. Now this desire for control was also exemplified by the lengths that empire went to silence those who thought otherwise. And one of the most poignant examples of this is the Welsh theologian Pelagius, who was a contemporary of Augustine. Pelagius believed that all of creation was sacred, and particularly the human soul. Augustine and others twisted Pelagius' teachings to assert that Pelagius believed that human beings were capable of saving themselves, that they didn't need God. But this was not what Pelagius taught. He taught instead that our sacredness could become buried by falseness and delusion, but it could never be taken away. It was always present and able to be accessed through God's loving grace. So Pelagius was tried for heresy, but two church synods found him innocent. But Augustine was not satisfied with this, so he and the other African bishops Then convened two two synods of their own, which found Pelagius guilty. They then pushed for his excommunication from the church, which was also initially denied. So Augustine went straight to the emperor, who had Pelagius banned from the empire on a charge of disturbing the peace. In other words, upsetting the apple cart. Eventually, Pelagius was excommunicated. He retreated to Wales, where he continued, Wales, excuse me where he continued, Wells, (laughs) that'd be a good place to go too, okay. (laughs) He'd be safe there. (laughs) He retreated to Wales, where he continued to write under pseudonyms. But still, this punishment was not enough for the powers that be. Three years after he was banned, anyone following Pelagius' teachings was banned from coming within a hundred miles of Rome. Then they were banned from coming to Italy. And then 100 years after that, Pelagius' teachings were condemned by yet another church council. And 300 years later, the Pope complained that Pelagius' teachings were still rampant in Ireland. So he demanded that the Irish, quote, expel the venom of this wicked superstition, unquote. Now the Irish, not too inclined to listen to the edicts of Rome, ignored the ban, ban, And as John Philip Newell states, fans never work against what the soul knows. Truth will always rise again. So these drastic measures to silence Pelagius are just one example of the level of threat that empire felt from teaching human dignity and the sacredness of creation. Now, the doctrine of original sin also continued to have traction because it provided a way to justify and make sense of our failings, the failings of others and the deep brokenness of the world. Some mistakenly believe that if we let go of this doctrine, it means we aren't taking sin seriously. But the thinkers that I consulted all agree that believing we are irrevocably flawed is not the only way to be serious about confronting sin. Danielle Schroyer, in her book Original Blessing, asserts, Original sin sets up our relationship with God as a battle because it immediately describes our natures as set against God. It's incredibly harmful for us to describe our relationship with God in negative terms. If we were to do this with any other major relationship in our lives, it would seem preposterous or even unkind. Then she goes on to say, When we profess to have a sin nature, we're claiming that following God is unnatural. But following God is not unnatural. It's built into the structure of our being. That scripture that we read earlier from Genesis 1 affirms this as do many others. And following are just a few examples. From Psalm 139, you are the one who created my innermost parts. You knit me together while I was still in my mother's womb. I give thanks to you that I was marvelously set apart. Your works are wonderful. I know that very well. And from Job, your hands shaped me and made me. From Psalm 22, you have been my God from my mother's womb. And from Psalm 119, your hands made me and formed me. And God's work of goodness and blessing in our lives does not stop with our creation. God continues to work in our hearts and our minds. Scripture passages such as Deuteronomy 30 make this clear. Prior to this passage in Deuteronomy, the Hebrew people have been given instructions for living as a faithful people. Then they receive this word from God. This commandment that I'm giving you right now is definitely not too difficult for you. It's not unreachable. The word is very close to you. It's in your mouth and in your heart, waiting for you to do it. Now, would God be saying this to a people that was hardwired toward evil? I don't think so. Instead of our identity being uh, as human beings being shaped by original sin, we are created in the image of God a state of being that has also been described as original goodness or original blessing. So despite the belief that by some that letting go of original sin will result in a sugar-coated way of viewing the world, in reality, our claim of amago dei or original blessing results in just the opposite. Dan- Daniel Schroyer asserts that the cost of blessing is to see the world the way God sees the world, When we live by original blessing, we have no excuse to treat others poorly. We're called instead to see everyone as bearers of God's image and therefore creatures of inherent worth and dignity. And then becomes our responsibility to respect and uphold their dignity as well as our own. Richard Rohr asserts the Christian storyline must start with a positive and overarching vision for humanity and our history or will never get beyond the primitive, exclusionary, and fear-based stages of most early human development, we are ready for a major course correction. For the planet and for all living things to move forward, we can rely on nothing less than an inherent original goodness and a universally shared dignity. When you start with yes or a positive vision, you are more likely to proceed with generosity and hope and you have a much greater chance of ending with an even bigger yes. Our original goodness is both our identity and also a goal. God created us good in God's image, and our lifelong journey as God's people is to seek to grow into and live into the goodness that God intends for us. Our claiming this goodness motivates us to seek the dignity of other human beings and abundant life for all of God's creation. The brokenness that is so apparent in our world right now highlights what happens when we devalue our fellow human beings and our planet. The call for us to fully claim and live into our identity as Amago Dei is essential. In conclusion, I offer this call from John Philip Newell. We are living at a critical moment of history Will we truly awaken to the sacredness of every person, regardless of gender, race, or religion? Holders of power, both political and religious, are obstructing this work, and some of them have even denied the need for it. But they cannot destroy the vision of sacredness that has welled up again and again over the centuries and is now demanding our attention, perhaps like never before. There is hope, and it is a hope based on our deepest knowing that every human being is sacred, body and soul. May we live out of this deep, sacred knowing to be bearers of God's healing transformation for all our human siblings and all of creation. Amen. Rashad, get me.
2: That is
0: I get a stand as we sink together.
2: I get for me, throw the box of Now, we have to Should have a nothing ball, and nothing And. i and going that add do. Okay. And 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 But this today. And for the And 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 hold a stringy. through. The shrap- <laughs> and all the You so and he's in the bedroom. Press the that defensive didn't And he's the And the And the And And I the he But until I I am for the i so and effort and effort and
1: Morning,
3: good morning, everyone. Hi, Stacy. My name's Stacy Knight, and my pronouns are she, her, hers. And I will be leading the joys and concerns this morning. Before we start, does anybody want to get some good exercise and be a yeah, micron this morning? Bye. I'll let you turn it on separate from me. Okay, so we're going to start with joys this morning, and I would like anyone here to share your joys with us. Uh, If you're in person, just raise your hand, and the microphone will be brought to you. If you're online, you can either write the word joy in the chat, and I can can turn the the microphone over to you, and you can read that. Or um, you can... Put your joy in the chat, and I can read it for you. And I would like to invite everyone to respond to the joys you hear by using the American Sign Language movement for applause. Is there anybody here that would like to start? Cassie. I am extremely joyful for the surgeons at Mean Med that performed the cleft repair for my great nephew's scene and for all that prayed for him it was a successful surgery. That was his second one. He has another one in April. And, um, just really thankful for the ability to have that repair. Joy's for your nephew's very well done left palate surgery.
4: Thing? I have, I have two actually. Um, the first one is we, we lost a cat that we really loved last month. And soon after that, we adopted two tiny little kittens from the, we became a foster family to two tiny little kittens that needed to be bottle fed. And we, we actually lost one of them last this week, which was a sad experience for our household. But I want to say how amazing the animal shelter is. And how well those people care for every tiny little creature that comes through the door. It was a really wonderful experience. Um, and I also want to say that Una recently auditioned for a part in the Portland Stage production of a Christmas story, and she got it. So she did it What is the with <laughs> Christmas Carol, the, the Portland stage production, which many of us have seen. We all went together. Several years ago, yeah. Anyway, so that's fun.
3: Wonderful. Thanks for the animal shelters. Take care of our other beings in the on the in the planet, and for that awesome role that you have.
5: really. I'm Alan. Um, as we speak, Sarah's sister Elizabeth and our brother in law Greg are on there, are in the air flying to Maine from North Dakota. And the four of us, without any kids, are taking a little road trip this week um, through Vermont and Mon- Montreal and then back through New Hampshire. And we're really looking forward to that time together. And secondly, on Saturday, my dad turns 80 and we're having a birthday party for him. So celebrating that as well
3: choice for kid-free road trips, and that's birthday. Well, yeah, go ahead. Um, I
0: am just so grateful for everybody who's been showing up on Saturdays at 515, and yesterday we had a crew um, half of people that had never been there before, which is so great, and it's great to see the community that's built, when people have a chance to work beside each other and talk about things you just have time to talk about and how the space is just being transformed into something that look just like hope gateway. So um, it's really exciting and
6: more to come. Um, this is Ophelia. Last weekend, um, I was at a reconciling ministries network convocation, which is like our, um, big gathering that happens before the huge United Methodist church gathering. Um, it's supposed to be like a time for rejuvenation and fellowship and worship and stuff for like a bunch of queer and trans-affirming uh, United Methodists from all over the country, some from outside of the U.S. It was the first time that we've held an event like this for since 2020, and it was really really great to see so many people that I admire who have been doing this really great advocacy work for such a long time. Um, and it was just neat to also see my own coworkers for the first time in like three years. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, really grateful for people who have been doing work for Affirmation in the church for a long time and for the chance to celebrate with people.
3: Check online. Uh Elizabeth says that she has a joy to be in Denver with her daughter and her family. Any other joys? Well, I would invite you all to lift those joys up to God and say, Thank you, God. Uh- A bit. Oh, Shantio, Ch- we are grateful to have our daughter Michelle and her family here from Colorado. Will we lift this up. Okay, we will move on to uh, concerns. And um, to show solidarity with the concerns that you hear, you can use the candle via heart. Any concerns? Uh,
7: I'm Jane, I have two. Um, My dear, dear friend and colleague, Stuart McCall, who was a lion of the Presbyterian Church, passed away on Wednesday, and he was a champion for reproductive justice um, in, of all places, Texas, which uh, they are very grateful for his work and witness there all these years. And uh, my friend Tom... Uh, who just battled kidney cancer got news this week that it has returned. Prayers for you, dear
3: friends. Yeah. Um, I'd like prayers for my brother Jeff, um, whose breathing has gotten progressively worse through the years, and he's now um, has now has to be on oxygen, which is uh, just. Uh, really uncomfortable thing for him he's not happy about it and neither am i but i'm glad that we have oxygen to keep him going where's your friend that he can breathe easy peace um when we wait kevin and i have been together since 11
7: 2000 he's eight years younger than i am and he's in very bad health has hernia problems uh he goes to net well he was going to nest don't think, but he's probably there. So I just pray to God that he can get his life straightened out, his health more, better, and and just get things going. Because that's it, he's going to die before I do it. And I don't want that to happen. He's a, he's, a, he's like my brother, not my lover. And
3: I just don't want him to pass away before I do Prayers what? for yeah. you. Know? Prayers for your friend's health. Yes. <laughs> Um, my friend Dick, who I've asked for prayers for, um, for colon cancer, went to Leahy Clinic on Wednesday to find out that he will actually have to have a colostomy bag. So he'll be looking at um, further surgery and just some spiritual support. prayers that he finds health and healing and strength.
5: I'm sure, Alan, again, I'm sure um, many of you, like me, are just heartsick over what's happening in Israel and Palestine right now. Um, it's, It's not a situation that lends itself easily to taking one side or the other side. There's just so much violence and bloodshed back and forth, back and forth, that it's very difficult to see a pathway to peace. But I think this is a moment when we have to pray for peace. Um, in whatever way God may be able to intervene in that situation. In addition to that, just thinking about all the places around the world that have been hit by climate devastation, extreme storms, fires, floods. um, This is just a really difficult time in our world right now. Um, And from our places of comfort, I think we need to lift up Prayers every day for, for healing and peace.
3: Prayers for all the humanitarian crises and environmental crises throughout the globe. That
6: some light shine in. This is Ophelia again. Um, with voting day coming up in a couple of weeks, on November 7th, Tuesday, um, I just am prayerful that we um, go to the ballots with clarity of heart and a desire to seek the most good for our neighbors and our fellow Mainers and folks around the country um, and not just for ourselves. So I pray that we um, go in with a little bit of knowledge about what the ballot measures are saying and also with with openness.
2: Yeah. Hi. Linda's uncle <clears throat> Roland yesterday got word that his cancer is back and that he only has six four or six weeks uh to uh stay on the earth. And um, he's just a wonderful spirit. Uh, he's been a musician all his life and he's been a tremendous influence for me, uh and full and, and uh prayers out to the entire Latelier family. Um uh, or his, uh, his illness coming back.
3: Prayer is free, your friend. Fix it online, uh, Elizabeth, concerned for the horrors of Palestine and Israel, as Alan mentioned and shelly prayers for my family as we deal with the loss of my uncle wendell yesterday morning prayers for your uncle and his passage any other concern i actually had one um this is rachel and i was actually gonna ask prayers for this guy owen uh he has an ear infection and you might recall We've had quite the saga with him. He's had tubes twice, had his adenoids removed. In January or February, he had to have an emergency surgery because his tonsils were infected. (laughs) So it's just been a long road. And um, we found out recently that his tubes had fallen out. And so we were really praying that we would get through this winter without having surgery again. But this is not a good sign. So just prayers that his ears could heal and also that we don't have to have another surgery. Prayers for Owen's ears. Yeah. Thank right. Any other concerns? You want to invite everyone to lift all these concerns and all those that have not been spoken that are residing in our hearts. Lift them up, say, hear our prayer, O oh God we all gone.
0: We come to a time of communion where we join our hearts and our spirit the communion of saints that has gone before us,
3: or whom we have thanks.
0: Come to this table where God reorders the world into right relationship, where those made low are lifted high, where the arrogant are humbled. In this table, we are reminded that God hears earth groaning under capitalism and consumption and that a fire burns in our hearts with prophetic imagination for a different world, a different way of being. With this hope and assurance, we turn to the witness of Jesus whose teachings reveal the way to liberation. We seek his wisdom. We practice his courage. We remember his radical commitment to love. We remember Jesus who showed the ways of justice and mercy, turning the norms of society upside down. He welcomed and empowered the outsider and stood in resistance to the powers of oppression. Like so many among us today, Christ's choice to live his truth and challenge oppression put him at risk. And yet, on the night in which death, hatred, and betrayal would seek to have the last and lasting word, Christ remained centered in radical peace and showed us love embodied in washing the feet of his beloveds and serving them at your table. On the night of his arrest, Jesus shared a meal with his companions. He took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after the meal, he took the cup, blessed it, and shared it, saying, This cup that is poured out is the new covenant. May the Spirit come and settle upon these gifts, making this bread and this cup and this rice cake be for us the holy, a holy encounter, reminding us that Christ is with us, that resurrection is a promise granted to us, and that the kingdom is always closer than we can imagine. May we be nourished that we might nourish others. We pray together in the way that Jesus taught us today in words interpreted by in flesh. Mother of us all, who dwells within and beyond, sacred is your name. May your holy vision for collective flourishing come to fruition among us. May your dreams of justice, love, compassion, and connection be enfleshed on earth. Provide us today with what we need to be nourished in body, soul, and heart. Forgive us for the harm we cause as we seek to forgive those who have harmed us. Lead us away from everything that destroys and liberate us from the hands of evil. For you are the ultimate source of hope. Your power with exceeds all power over. Your presence incites eternal wonder. All praise to you, our comfort and rejoinder. Right. Let us receive the gifts of God, the bread of earth and heaven, and let us receive the gifts of God, a cup of blessing. Frankie's ready to help me. Who else would like to help serve to Come. You are welcome, and the table is ready.
2: Okay. Hey. But <laughs> I'm going and the Bye.
4: Me.
0: Gracious God, we thank you for this mystery in which you have given yourself to us. You companion us, companion us on our journeys and feed our souls with your presence and your grace. Send us out nourished and accompanied in your name to love all people, to bear one another's burdens, to provide for healing, to proclaim your kingdom, and to bring peace to every place you send us. We pray and we live in the power and the presence of your loving spirit. Amen.
7: Hi, I'm Jane, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm going to invite you to participate in the... Hi, Evelyn. Oh, it's so good to see you. (laughs) I didn't know you were here. (laughs) I'm in charge of taking attendance, too. Eugene Peterson translates a verse from Christian scripture this way. God loves it when givers delight in giving. And as I told you a couple of weeks ago, we have many avenues of delight at Hope Gateway, you can give in person, the old-fashioned way, by putting your gift in the baskets that will be passed. You can give online, and if you do um, well, this one, uh, and want to acknowledge that when the basket passes by, we have wooden nickels and a bowl at the back that you can uh, take and put in the basket. Or you can mail a check to our new, look, they fixed it, a new address at 515 Woodford Street in Portland, 04103, which is a new zip. Yeah, to change, update your, um, oh, I need to do that. Um, so, whichever way you give, I hope it brings you great delight today. We'll pass these baskets around as announcements are being made.
0: Hey, is Youth Service Corps um, for our youth. You already know about that if you're going, that's a reminder. Next workdays, there will be a workday next Saturday. Martin will be leading and there are lots of, there's actually quite a bit of painting left. So if you wanna do that during the week or next Saturday, that's great. There's also a lot of other things. And if you go, um, if you make a trip to the bathroom, you might notice there's things missing. So we're moving things out, which is great. Um, and back there in the basket, um, is some evidence that Jane really loves buying hooks for our project. Um, and you too can join in, but the deadline for that, we have two more weeks that we're going to be receiving. So if you haven't yet found a very cool hook for you to put your coat on, well, or other people might use it sometimes, and that's okay. We're all going to be okay with that. Um, we're going to have a wall of hooks that will be accessible to people who can't reach a uh, coat rack up high um, in the entrance, in the back door at 515. And um, we invite you to contribute to that fun project. Um, you can get ideas back there. Um, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after is the baptism of the Yashua Davis children. And um, if you are planning on that, Um, If you could let Melissa or me know that so that we can make arrangements for all of the complicated transportation that that requires. But we would they would I would love for Hope Gateway to be well represented and it will be a really lovely celebration. So and starting next Sunday, we will be beginning our um, stewardship series, A Future with Hope. Um, and Margaret will be kicking off that um, series next week. So that's coming. Just prepare yourself. And um, also coming up with, um, in November, which is almost here, um, is our annual congregational meeting on Wednesday, November 15th. And it will be on Zoom. Um, we decided this year when we're in between locations, we didn't want to make sure we were fully prepared for something important. And it we, it makes it. Oh, it's evening at six thirty, I believe. So, those are the announcements.
7: You pray as <laughs> we dedicate these gifts. <laughs> Excellent, my. Being. Loving God, with this money, make a whole new world. With these gifts, make real what your prophets declare, that with your help, we can make a world where everyone is loved, a world where justice and compassion roll down like a mighty river, a world where everyone has warm food, cool water, health care, and beloved community. We dedicate these gifts, freely given and gratefully received, For our shared work, shaping a better world for all, Amen. Me. Invite
0: us, you, to stand as we sing together. May you run and not be weary.
3: I think the thing on go with even
2: even all the so far. He's the And going to be what others. one and the I not I need tel- myni- the Internet of I don't do a and or thought and thought, her. Her. Limb.
1: May we all go from this place knowing that we are beloved and blessed children of God, and out of that blessedness, maybe we we be instruments of God's love and healing in the world. Wow. Well, that's, 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 that's.
3: Thanks
0: for listening to this week's sermon. To hear more about Hope Gateway and to discover how together we can do justice love kindness and walk humbly with God, visit our website at hopegateway.com